can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hey everyone, this week I'll be attending the Pool Industry Expo, or also known as the Pie Show in Monterey, California, on October 6th through 8th. I will be in various classes along with walking the expo floor, so do not hesitate to come up and say hi to me. I would love to meet our listeners and get to know you better. So can't wait to see you there. What up, my pool dudes and dudettes? I am neither Kelly, nor am I Dan. This is Rudy, and I'm invading their space for just a minute because there's a bunch of things going on that I wanted to share with you. First off, welcome to this episode. This is the Talking Pools Podcast, 150th episode. How cool is that? And we owe it all to you. Folks that are checking us out, tuning in each week, hanging out with us, we appreciate you. Without you, this is not possible. So thank you. We have a new sponsor that we're welcoming to the Talking Pools podcast. That's right. Sponsoring the Tuesdays with Kelly and Dan show. This show is IPSA. IPSA is a trade association for the pool and spa service professional. We'll be talking a lot more about them in this episode and coming up in the future. But I did want to say thank you to the folks at IPSA for coming on board the Talking Pools podcast. I am excited about what this relationship will bring. On top of that, Kelly and Dan both have their own news. Kelly Clancy, host of this show, has been awarded the Greg Garrett Scholarship Award. This is through the PHTA. She gets $5,000, five grand, to spend on education to hone her skills, which in turn is going to bring you better information on the show, even better than it is now. How cool is that? Dan the Man, also a host on this show. Dan has just been recognized in the top 50 service companies in the country. His company, All Seasons Pool and Spa, has been recognized as number four in the nation. That's huge! Congratulations to both Kelly and Dan on their accomplishments. We're proud of you guys. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the folks in Florida that are still struggling in the wake of Hurricane Ian. If there's anything that we can do for you, please reach out and let us know. You can get us here at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. Please don't hesitate to ask. If it's within our power, we will make it happen. 
I know I speak for all of the hosts of the Talking Pools podcast, and then all of the folks that come here to hang out with us every week, when I say, you folks in that area, in Florida, that just went through that experience of a Category 4 hurricane, oh my God, you all are in our prayers. Okay, now it's time for me to hand the mic back over to Kelly and Dan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tuesdays with Kelly and Dan on Talking Pools Podcast Network. Well, it definitely has been an interesting week for a lot of people. But let's first start with thanking IPSA for being a sponsor of our show. Very excited to have you. Um, We'll talk more about what they do and who they're for and everything soon. But let's uh, let's kind of move on. I guess guess the big topic today has been the hurricane in Florida. Yeah, even though our listeners aren't going to hear this uh, until after the hurricane's over, I'm sure the effects of the hurricane are still going to be being dealt with when they do. But today we're recording this the day the hurricane uh, made landfall in Florida, and you know we certainly have all of our thoughts and and well wishes to everyone down there. But you know all of our pool industry friends that are going to have a lot of work ahead of them and their personal lives as well as their professional lives and bailing out of uh, Hurricane Ian, who I think when it hit shore, it was what, Category 4? 150-some miles an hour, 150-mile-an-hour winds? Yeah, the the pictures and the videos I've seen are just crazy. I You know, there's uh, – it, it, it always amazes me how the the – tracking of this stuff i would i would love to know the inner workings of how they try to predict where these things are going to go and what the intensity is going to be and all that kind of stuff but you know my my wife and my daughter uh went down to florida for a quick girls trip to disney world they they flew out saturday morning and originally where they were supposed to fly back this afternoon uh, like a three or four o'clock eastern time flight and so I'm sitting here watching the you know hurricane tracker while they're going to the Halloween haunted houses at Universal <laughs> Studios and the, they're the having Halloween. the time of their yeah, life while yeah, you're right. back home worrying like oh yeah. my god my is my family ever going to get yeah. home yeah exactly and and so Sunday morning I'm looking at things I'm going oh geez you know four o'clock that's that's real iffy by by afternoon today so. I switched their flight to nine o'clock in the morning. That was the earliest direct flight I could get them on. And then yesterday morning, I actually am fortunate. We've got a, a newcomer to all seasons who is a lifelong Floridian. Floridian. Sorry, I said that wrong. Um, the uh, and as I you see, he comes in the building today. He's looking at his phone and he's looking at the hurricane information i talked to him a bit and he said i said i've been watching for when you know landfall and this and that and he said oh landfall you gotta get them out of there well before that because the winds precede uh you know when the hurricane truly hits by you know sometimes 12 or 24 hours from when you you end up with the the hurricane really being on land so 
he directed me to a couple of websites, and I, I was watching that anyway. I, I said, oh, geez. The, the prediction was that tropical storm winds would be in Orlando area as early as 8 a.m. today uh, to potentially as late as 8 p.m. today as to when it would cross into Orlando. So a 9 o'clock flight was eh, a little iffy. So anyway, moved it up to a 7 o'clock flight, and as things go – I think that was one of the last flights that made it out of Orlando before Orlando shut the airport down along with, you know, the airports all through the rest of the state. Southern airports had been shut down earlier. So anyway, they made it home. I picked them up at the airport around noon today and uh, glad to have them back. And well, I bet they had the time of their life while you were stressing out. So, yeah, they did. And and it was it was a unique thing for them too to see the the preparedness that goes into everything down there. You know, the the hotel this morning when they left it, uh, what was it like four o'clock this morning or something? I think they left to go to the airport. They were sandbagging the the doors and everything around the the hotel. And uh, you know, they the preparedness is that's. It's a huge thing, right? So yeah, everybody that, and it's a little bit late for this particular instance, incident down in Florida, but being prepared for, you know, pool owners being prepared. Uh, what do you do before? What do you do during? What do you do after? That kind of stuff. Um, there's so much bad information that floats around out there. I, I heard someone talking today, uh, social media, one of the Facebook groups of uh consumer facing group, if you will, saying, uh, oh, my my insurance agent told me I need to drain my pool and and not just a little bit. They needed to empty their pool. Oh, good God. And if they didn't do that and they had flood damage, that the insurance wouldn't cover the flood damage, even though they had flood insurance because they didn't empty their pool. I would be afraid of the pool popping out. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's because uh, the water table would be so high during a hurricane, and you know, emptying a pool is the last thing that anyone should do during not only a hurricane but just a any kind of a heavy rainfall mm-hmm. period. In our Chicago market, we you know, Florida obviously is primarily going to be gunite pools. Um, you know, I know Texas is primarily gunite pools. The Midwest here, we've got everything. We've got fiberglass, we've got vinyl lined, we've got, you know, gunite. And any one of them, even though we don't get hurricanes here, we get torrential downpours that can be detrimental to any one of the the three major types of structures. So, you know, our rule for, for everyone is you don't drain even an inch of water out of a pool during a heavy rain. Mm-hmm. And and for many days after the heavy rain, until those water tables get a chance to subside, you just don't do it. Now, vinyl line pools, the liners will float uh, yep. from groundwater. Fiberglass pools, obviously, concrete pools, they both can pop out of the ground or, or have heave type of structural damage that can be catastrophic and um yeah, you know, there's there's this conception that people have that if the water in my pool gets up to the deck, <laughs> that everything is going to flood. And and I well, don't know what the the mindset is with that. I don't get it. Well, um, I don't know if it's code where you are, but it's code here in California that we put a spigot on the pool, 
equipment. That way you can drain some of the water out of the pool if, if necessary. And you just, you know, attach a garden hose to it, open it up, take the hose where you want to go, and you tur- turn the equipment on and it drains it for you. Obviously, it's only going to do a couple inches. Can't drain the whole thing. But, yeah, by code, we have to have those. Now, where I live, we are surrounded by rivers. And, you know, normal years, well, I don't know if you call it normal anymore, about 10, 20 years ago when we'd have rain, yeah, you you wouldn't be draining pools. Um, uh, if you live on the levee here, you don't drain, you do not drain that pool completely. The water table is too high. So you literally have to do partial drains until you get to what your goal was. One trick my dad taught me because uh, my parents used to have a store and really concentrate their business in one particular area that's very concentrated in pools, but is also surrounded by a river with levees is if you are unsure of the water table, dig a hole in the customer's yard. Mm -hmm. And if you see, even if it's just one foot and you see water, don't do not drain it. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good rule. You know, and certainly throughout the the country, so throughout the world, the the soil conditions are are going to vary. Mm-hmm. When when we look at any of the conventional construction done with pools, there's always backfilling that's done. The exception of of gunite pools, not that there isn't backfilling, but a fiberglass pool. You know, typically you're dealing with an overdig of about a foot all the way around before that shell is put in. There's a stone base put underneath it, um, and then you're backfilling with stone as you're filling internally, and that one foot overdig all the way around is all stone coming up. Well, in soil conditions where there's a lot of clay, which the Midwest has a ton of it, I know, you know, Every every part of the country has the potential of having clay soil. Clay doesn't drain. So you, you build a pool, you backfill it with stone. There's stone underneath the decking if you're doing, you know, paver brick or, or flagstone in a dry set kind of a thing. You you in our climate we have eight to ten inch stone bases underneath the, the paver brick when it's done. Even if it's concrete, there's three to four inches of stone underneath it. So as rain falls, that stone underneath the deck becomes a pathway that water just runs under the deck into the stone backfill behind the pool structure. And it just sits there for a long, long time before it eventually dissipates through through the soil, which in many cases is many days later. So if you can envision... Uh, taking a a larger bowl, putting a smaller bowl inside of it, and filling the larger bowl with water, how that smaller bowl is going to float. That's what we've got with almost all types of pool construction because of the stone backfill behind the pool. And the the water conditions in the yard, in the street, in the ditch, in the sewer may not be exactly reflective of what's going on under the pool because that stone acts as a big retention bed for that water. And it, it doesn't matter how much volume of water is under the pool. It's it's the height of the water. And if that water is above the water level in the pool, even if it's only six inches wide in the ground around it, it's going to have hydrostatic pressure that can cause 
movement on the pool inside. So, you know, that's where, like I said, we, we tell everyone if, if you don't want to drain even fractions of inches, just wait. And everybody has a reason as to why people with liner pools say, well, if it gets above where the liner goes in the track, then my liner is going to float. No, it's not. That's really an old wives tale kind of a thing. The, the water pressure inside the liner is going to push that liner against the pool, preventing anything from, from the pool to be able to leak over the bead and down and behind it. It's, it's a physics thing that it can't happen. When the water gets so high, if the water in the ground is very high and, and to the point that it's higher, then that groundwater will cause the liner to float. But it's not because the pool was full above the bead that the liner floated. It's because the ground was full above the bead that the liner floated. Kelly and Dan will be right back after these messages. Have you heard there is a group of pool service professionals nationwide that are here to help grow and protect your business? The Independent Pool and Spa Service Association, known as IPSA, is here to help you. By joining the largest trade organization created by and for pool and spa service techs, you gain access to industry networking opportunities, exclusive educational offerings, IPSA's Tech for Tech route coverage, and more. So be independent, supported, and part of a professional community. Go to IPSSA.com to learn how to be a member of IPSA today. Anyway, like I said, lots of uh, lots of people who have just bad, bad, bad ideas in terms of um, why they should drain a pool in the middle of a hurricane. <laughs> so I was watching TikTok yesterday. Yes, it's my uh, guilty vice, I guess it's called. Um, but there was a lady that posted and I, and I do think she was joking about it, but, uh, she was like, if you are from Florida, then, you know, the best way to prepare for a hurricane is to throw all your furniture into all your yard furniture into the pool. So it stays safe and nice and nothing will Mm -hmm. happen to it. Great. And the pool person in me looking at that was just like, this is the worst idea I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, you know what's, I, I don't, I don't get that. I really don't. You know, you, well, think about it. Okay, maybe it stays, maybe it stays together while it's in there, but when you get it out, you're going to scratch the plaster or the vinyl or whatever type of pool you have. You're going to damage it as you're pulling this out. Yeah. You know, if it's made out of metal, it's going to oxidize and make staining on the surface, you know, what, what else could you think of that? This could be like the worst idea ever. Yeah. Right. You know, I've seen in torrential floods, cars being swept down the street in floodwaters, right. Being washed away. Maybe we should park our cars in the pool too. (laughs) Ah, that, you know, I guess that's the best way to protect our vehicles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't know. You know, who cares about the gasoline mm-hmm. or the transmission or <laughs> the interior? Yeah. You know what? Natural selection. Maybe those people will actually drive the car in the pool and they'll feel they're, they're safer in the pool in the car. And uh, then no one will worry about putting stuff in their pools anymore because 
<laughs> that that gene will be killed off in the uh, <laughs> generations to come. I don't know. Now, one thing I think that would be great to do in preparation for um, a hurricane or any really like big natural disaster where damage can be done would be just turn the power off to the equipment altogether. Yeah, I, I absolutely. You know, especially you're dealing with floodwaters. I mean, to me, I, I'm you're we're already seeing pictures today of areas of, of Florida with, you know, feet of water in people's living rooms and such. As much as you hate to get to a point where you would have to do it, if if that were me, I'd be going to my main circuit panel in the house and killing everything possible to you know, who wants to be dealing with electricity and water it, it, so killing the equipment from the the safety standpoint of the electrical that might be in that foot and a half of water you're wading through in the backyard I, I think is important and i know the equipment's supposed to be on gfis and blah 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 and all of us have seen stuff that isn't done the way it's supposed to be done right um but also from the standpoint of protecting the equipment that you know do you really want your pump running if it's under a foot of water? It, no. I'd, I'd rather, you know, and again, the GFI should trip. It should never run, but we, we've seen well, who knows? things. So. Maybe somebody wants their beautiful lights to be illuminating their whole entire yard so they could see if alligators or something are coming to attack. Yeah, you know, if the pool light is all you got and, you know, your rain <laughs> gauge that's sitting out next to the pool, you need to illuminate that with your pool light to see exactly how much rain that hurricane's dumping <laughs> in the yard. Maybe it's maybe it is more important than we're we're giving credit to. I don't know. Um, I guess on a chemical standpoint, uh, I did see this online and it, it makes complete sense to me shocking the pool beforehand. And like you had mentioned, shock it afterwards because there's going to be all kinds of elements and things that got in there and to try to avoid a bigger health hazard when having to clean up later might be beneficial. Yeah. If I mean, I mean, you know, if the pool is under, you know, the backyard is under two foot of water, there's not a whole lot you're going to do. That's going to no. help. But for a lot of areas that aren't going to see that kind of stuff, whether it's a hurricane or just, you know, heavy rainfalls or whatnot, that preventative maintenance, right? The the prevention aspect of stuff by shocking the pool, um, you know, and by shocking, I'm to me, I'm saying we're elevating the free chlorine in excess of 10 parts per million, if not in excess of 15 parts per million in yeah. preparation for all the contamination that's going to be introduced to try to get ahead of the game. So you're not, you know, potentially not just playing catch up through uh, the days afterwards as you're trying to get everything back in order. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great, a, a great prepared, uh, you know, like sandbagging the doors to the hotel. You, you maybe sandbag your doors first and then go out and shock your pool. <laughs> now, obviously, us not being from Florida, we're not going to know all of the preparation that's necessary. But I think these are some good things to be telling homeowners you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when Texas had their freeze, telling your customers, turn your equipment off, drain everything is probably the best idea you could have done. And this one, turn your power off, keep your furniture in the garage. Right. And if you can, shock. Obviously, shocking is going to be the last thing. <laughs> Do everything else to make sure you're safe. Yeah, everything else. But, for, and, and, you know, if uh, when the eye of the hurricane is over your house, run out and brush it, brush the pool. <laughs> Sweep, sweep all that 
dirt down to the main drain. So when you do eventually turn it back on, you know, when the eye is over, as I understand it, everything's kind of calm, right? So is it? it's, it's, that's a time you can go out and, you know, straighten Relax. the furniture back up and pour yourself a stiff drink and, uh, and brush the pool. Maybe, I don't know. Um, I'll leave that to the, the Floridians to uh, decide if they're going to go out in the eye of the hurricane, I guess. Don't don't follow my my stupid guideline there. That may get you in trouble. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, good luck to everyone in the future busyness, because I'd assume it for pool professionals, it's going to be super busy trying to get their stuff together and then going and fixing other people's things. Yeah, for sure. You know, when Texas froze, you brought that up. Um, it was interesting be, only because of the time of the year. That was, if I remember right, it was February. So mm -hmm. the there were a lot of parts of the country that our industry was not doing a whole lot because of the time of year. And it, it was interesting to me to see how those pool people in the other parts of the country went down to Texas, many of them, to help out to get pools up and running and make repairs and, and try and help the, the industry and, and our brothers and sisters in Texas get things done this time of year. It's, it's a little unfortunate that hurricane season comes when, when the rest of the country is still pretty active in the pool industry, because yeah. I, I know that there are many people and, you know, maybe in the, in the far Northeast, there might be some companies that are kind of slowing down and, and they might have an opportunity to reach out to some of the pe you know, people in the industry in Florida, see if they need a hand after. You know, the people in Florida are, are not only dealing with the pools after this horrible hurricane goes through, but, you know, they've got their own lives. And, yep. you know, our, our friends through Talking Pools that we've got in Florida, I know, you know, they've they're they're concern for for family and and everything else it's it's just a lot to go through and if your own living room has a foot of water in it well it's kind of hard to to be motivated to run out and take care of a hundred of your pool customers whose pools have been flooded and messed up so right it's uh our, our industry is neat in that we do help one another in many, many ways by sharing information or even getting in there elbow to elbow with them and, and helping where we can. Uh, you mentioned our sponsor, IPSA, and I know that IPSA uh, has a number of ways that they help businesses when when things are, uh, you know, you, you have certain things happen that someone isn't able to do, right? You've, you've been involved in IPSA, do you know? Yeah. Some of that um, kind of stuff that goes on. When it, well, we have things like um, the Tech for Tech, and that's for people who are sick or injured and can't uh, work for a certain amount of time. And you're in the chapter within a certain radius of a chosen spot. Usually it's where they have their meetings. Then uh, they divide up your route up to a certain number of pools. You know, enough to cover that you don't lose all your income, but also... Um, not too many where it's overwhelming the person to volunteer. Yeah. Um, so those things are there, you know, when there are these uh, natural disasters in certain areas, a lot of the chapters will uh, team up or within their chapter, try to donate and figure out ways to help those er other chapters in those affected areas. 
which has always been a great, pretty much IPSA is about making the pool professional, the best professional they can. Um, and having that camaraderie amongst the members to help one another, no matter where it is. That's, that's fantastic. And I, I, I applaud IPSA for all of those efforts. Um, uh, you know, things happen, right? You, you, you really, as much as you want to be prepared, you, you often are never as prepared as you, you would hope. And mm -hmm. if you, you're injured or you're sick, um, having others to, to help keep your business afloat while you're recovering is, is a amazing thing. So beyond all of the other, uh, benefits that IPSA offers its members, I think that, uh, that one in itself, that that layer of insurance that just being a member provides, I think, is a wonder, wonderful, a, a wonderful thing. I had to actually use it twice. Once really? when I had my youngest son. Okay. Um, when I was I had my you know maternity leave, and then once when I had to have emergency surgery. Okay. And well, without without it, I probably would have lost everything. So your firsthand experience, right? Yep. So again, we're, we're thrilled to have IPSA as a sponsor for Tuesdays with Kelly and Dan, and, and they've got a lot of great things to offer. If you, if you're not familiar with them, you know, look them up, find some people that are involved, ask some questions and see how they can, they can help you. Um, that's wonderful, wonderful stuff. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to Tuesdays with Kelly and Dan. Um, hope you enjoyed what we had to talk about today and got something from it. So please like us, follow us, download when you listen so we know you're listening. If you have anything you would like us to talk about, please let us know by emailing us at talkingpools at gmail.com. And we will talk to you again next week. Thanks, everyone, and thanks again to IPSA as our sponsor. We appreciate your support and all that you do for, for the industry. And, Kelly, I will talk to you again in another week. Yeah. Have fun in Mexico. <laughs> thanks. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 